This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. The, the whole family. And we're going to continue with our series this morning, God's Family, My Church. And if you weren't here last week, please uh, listen online or order the CD. It's free. You can order at the table. Uh, out in the hall over here. When we look at God the Father, we find out that He is a family God. And actually, we are named, our name comes from Him. We found out that Father and family, that families derive from the name Father. And they're, they're really one and the same. So God is a God who likes family, and family is important. And in, in many places and culture and even here in America, that importance in individual families has gone down. There's more individuality now. It's more uh, me, myself, looking out for me. It's more of a selfishness. And it doesn't matter about you or, or whatever. And we found out that one out of 25 people in the United States have no conscience. They'll do anything and not even think anything about it. And God's solution to all this is family. And God calls us each to be in a family, in a, a church, a local church family. That is His plan. That's always been His plan. When you look in the Old Testament, you find He talks about congregation. He, he talks about groups, and that's what God's best is. And we saw that churches would be a place that we grow it's a, a place to grow. It's to be a safe place, not a place that you're accused or uh, confused, uh, not a place that you're abused, but a place that you're built up, you're helped. Yes, there's challenge. Yes, there can be correction, but even correction comes with a settling peace on the inside. So we're to be a family, and we're to do life together. We're to work and, and flow together. God, when you get saved, you're accountable to Him individually, but He sets you in a family where you can be prepared and help, helped in this life here on this earth until you stand before Him, because we're all going to stand before Him, and we're going to have to give account for our life. And what the church does, it helps us stay on the right path, helps us stay accountable to God, helps us keep our, our, our vision right. I mean, no, that's true, that we, we need that adjustment at times. We all do, and that's what God has given us family for, that we can have a safe place that we can grow and we can, we can learn and we can increase in the things of the Lord. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, jump right into the Word here. It says, Now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people, you're members of God's family. Together we are His house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Himself, Jesus Himself. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So we're members of God's family, His household, and He's very close to His family. He, he takes great joy and pleasure in his family. And we're going to look at that 
um, this morning. We, we belong to him, but we also belong to each other because we're all a part of his body. But notice he's carefully put us together. Some assembly required. <laughs> and that's, that, that assembly is something that God does. And if you're a man, you've all, all of us have probably, if you're like me, you've cringed at that, you know, very simple instructions. And then you say, some assembly required. And then you find things are missing. <laughs> and your instructions are in Japanese. The English version is so small you can't see it or it's blurred or whatever. But God's the one that puts us together. He puts family together. He knows where, what we need, where we, how we're created, where we need to be in, in the family. Ephesians 5, 28. And this is a very uh, interesting revelation of the church, but we, it talks about husband and wife. And you can read this. In fact, the, the whole chapter it's very good. But it says in verse 28, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And guys, we love our bodies, don't we? Hey, I've, I've been to the gym before. I mean, guys are the only people that can be 40 pounds overweight. And look in the mirror and go, I still got it. <laughs> a woman wouldn't even consider that. <laughs> we love our bodies. It says, he who loves his wife loves himself. So he's talking about that husband-wife relationship. The husband, when he loves his wife, he's loving himself. That's there's a oneness. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. What's he do? He nourishes, or he feeds, he provides, and he cherishes. And I looked up that word, it means to hold very dear. Very dear. So he's speaking to us here about the husband and wife, but he's also talking about Christ uh, and the church. For we are members, verse 30, we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this reason, the man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery by speak concerning Christ and the church. So he's revealing the church to him. He, uh, there's ministry here about husband and wife. But he's saying, I want to reveal the church to you. In other words, the husband, uh, a man and woman get married, and they become one, the Word says. And Jesus is saying that when you come to Him, you become one with Him. But then He goes beyond that. He wants you joined to Him, but He wants you joined to His body. He wants you joined to each other. And really, the truth is, you can't have God without His people. Because if you don't like His body... <laughs> you got problems with the head. So, what are we seeing here? He's talking about the church. He's talking about the example he's given is a relational and really even the connotation of intimacy, holding dear, to cherish, 
to nourish. That's the example that he's given us. Jesus is in love with the church, with, with us. And we need to understand that and, and, and see that. We could get this, that Jesus and his church are one. When Jesus loves us, he's loving himself, actually, because we are connected to him as body, his body. When I love my big toe, I'm loving me. How many love their big toe? Okay. So Jesus and his church are one. Jesus loves the church just like a husband loves his wife. Or should. How's that? It says that the husband would nourish, provide, feed, protect, security, and hold dear, and even lay down his life for his wife. When the relationship's right, that's the way it is to be. What did Jesus do? He laid down his life for family, for us. That's how dear family is to him. Because fathers is really family. God connects us together in a spiritual family. And this in your notes, we are to be connected in a church family. Assembling together, he carefully puts us together. Romans 12, verse 4, For as we are many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We're many members, but we're all different. Let's turn to your neighbor and say, you're different. We're all different, yet we're together in one family. Many members, but we all function different. Now the problem gets to be when we want another member to function like the particular member we are. The ear says, look, if you're not an ear, you're just not cool. You just don't have it together. You need to be an ear. If you really want to be blessed, we come in twos. Double your ears. And double your pleasure. I don't care what you're talking about, foot. I have ear issues. But see, somewhere along the line, we're connected. But Jesus is saying, the Word is saying that we're His body. And you know, we're so connected, even when we think we're getting away from it, we're not. <laughs> we're connected. No wonder if one member is hurting, the rest is. How many have ever stumped their toe? Whole body's hurting. Got the attention. All it takes is one. I may have had toothache, a little tooth, and get your attention. See, we, we need each other, but we need to recognize we're all different and we all function differently. 
When we get that understanding, there's grace for each other. You can say, hey, you're a pretty good ear. You really are. You hear everything. A pastor, you just don't know about such and such. They have been, they have elbowed me. They're an elbow in the body of Christ. And that elbow is sharp. Well, you need to pray for the elbow to function at the right time. You don't need an elbow when everyone's looking. Wife, you don't need to elbow him when everyone's looking. <laughs> a pastor, you just don't know, there's, some, there's this person, they're just a, a real rear end. We have some rear ends in the body of Christ. Are they needed? Absolutely. They might be toxic at times. They might gas you at times. Just don't light a match. But you know what? They can carry some weight. You know the feet loves the rear end? The feet get the rest when you put all the weight on the rear end. We need all the parts. We're a body. We're connected together. We all function differently. But we're one together. We're to function together. God created us that way. You'll not fulfill your purpose unless you're connected to a church family. How can I say that? Well, if the ear, I say my ear decided it wanted to separate from my body. It's offended at my temple here. So it's going to leave. You know what happens to that ear? It shrivels up. It'll function for a little bit of time, but it'll shrivel up. I've heard people say, well, I'm not connected to a church Anymore, I'm getting closer to God. I've never seen it happen. I've seen people walk away from church and not even serving God. Why? Because God has made us, created us to be in family, to be encouraged, to be strengthened. We need each other. Each part is critical. Each part is vital to the whole. Because the foot's not created to be alone. The nose is not created to be alone. The eye's not created to be alone. We need each other. We're connected. Ephesians 1.22, He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. It's His body. And he loves his body. Notice here that the fullness of him is in the body. The greatest expression of Jesus is in the body. is in the church. Christ is bigger than the expression that can come from you individually. It's bigger. He wants family to represent him in the earth. He wants all of us doing our part. You get saved, you come into the family, we recognize that need for, for Christ. 
But then he says, get connected to a family. That you'll not be alone in this. Be people praying for you. People lifting you up. People calling. People bringing the meal. Whatever it is, being there for you. That's what family is about. Our connection together takes us into the fullness in the Lord that can be gotten no other way. Think about it like this. It says, a man and woman come together, they become one flesh, and the Bible says they become something they were never before. They're, they're new. They're one. When you get, and they accomplish things they can never do individually because they're together. Now, we come to, to Jesus. We surrender and accept Him as Lord of our life. We become one with Him. We become something we were never were before, a new creation. We're brand new in Christ. And we're able to do things we could never do before. But it's the same for the local church. You're, you're joined together and you become something you weren't before. One body, become this new body and you do things you can never do separated from the church, from the body. See, there's a strength there. There's something that happens and we become one together. And the strength is released throughout the whole body. That's the reason we need to be connected. We need to have church. Let me just mention this. You still re retain your individuality. You still retain your uniqueness. You still have those times of intimacy with God that will never be uh, public. But you have that corporate family also that we're joined together. So God does relate to us individually, but together we come and experience things that we would never experience individually because we're together. Genesis 1.31 shows this. Then God said, everything they had made, indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning was sixth day. God looks at the whole. God looked each and every day. He created something. He goes, it's good. It's good. But at the end of this, at the end of the sixth day, he looked at the whole. He looked at it all, and he said, it's very good. What's he talking about? He's talking about the whole. See, together, we are very good. Very good. You're good by yourself. But together, we're very good. God looks at the whole. God has always wanted family. And he looks at us and says, very good. And you can look at many different, there's so many verses that speak to this. It says, uh, Song of Solomon, all together lovely is the body of Christ. See, we all together are very good and can accomplish much more than we could ever do individually. God carefully placed you in a family that would fit in with your particular purpose and destiny that God has for your life. He carefully placed you in there that you could have encouragement and fulfillment of that place of purpose and the dream He placed in your heart. What you were born for, that that could be released into the earth. He put you in the family to bring that setting to prepare you for that, for when you stand before the Lord and you give account for what you did, you say, I did 
what you called me to do. I fulfilled the purpose I was born for on this earth. That's what we want. Good and faithful. Serve. That's what we want here. He looked at the whole. God's highest pleasure and blessing is for the good parts to be joined together as family. Family knit and joined together. It says, as he is, so are we in this world. So are we. He's in the family. Together we are very good. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now this says the feet of him, and it's talking about the Messiah, it's talking about Jesus. But then we come into the new covenant in Romans 10, 15, we see the same reference, and how they shall, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Notice here it changed. It wasn't the feet of him. It was the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace, good tidings. The feet of those are the feet of them. He's looking at the whole. God's plan was to have a family that would represent him in this earth, that would be his hands, would be his feet, that would show his love and his goodness and proclaim glad tidings of good news. That's what the gospel means, good news. We have good news in the midst of bad news. We have news that will change and transform someone's eternity. We've got the most important news that exists on this planet. And it's good news. To set the captives free. To bring transformation. Cause blind eyes to open. Cause the lame to walk. To cause the blind to see a vision. And to have a dream. And to have a purpose. And to have value in this earth. We've got a message. We have a cause. It's going to be by family. It's not going to be just a few. It's all of us together doing this. Beautiful feet belong to those. They're bringing out good news. I don't know if you checked your feet lately, but beautiful feet are connected to others. They're connected in a, a church family and they're bringing the gospel of peace. They're bringing glad tidings. Oh, that's good news. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We all need each other. We are to be committed to our church family. My individual parts, body parts, are committed to each other. I've tried to get my, my foot to separate from my ankle. It just won't. They're just connected. They go everywhere together. Everywhere I see my feet, you know what? My ankle's there. Those two, they just go together. <laughs> Head bones connected to them. <laughs> connected. <laughs> you know what? They're committed to each other. They're committed. I mean, they're staying there and they're committed <laughs> 
to whatever, wherever the foot, wherever you go, ankles going. And you know what? If the foot, I talk to the hand, every once in a while the hand will show a little love to the foot and give a foot massage. You know what? The foot just, oh, I love the hand. I just love the hand. And then the hand said, hey, hey, foot, will you carry me down to the store? I sure will. Nobody gives a foot massage like you, hand. And you go down to the store, and the hand gets something for the hand. Committed to each other. We're to be committed to each other. I mean, we're to pray for each other. We're to give each other grace and mercy and and, and be there as a family for each other. We're committed to each other. In Psalms 92, verse 12, this verse will really uh, mean more to you when you understand the way God sees family. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Planted means unmovable. means it's not a casual relationship. It's a commitment. It's a commitment of the heart. I'm planted. It says those that are planted in the house will flourish. I mean, you want to flourish. You've got to be planted. You've got to be committed to this thing. Because God is committed to his family. And he expects us to be committed. After all, we depend on each other. We're so connected that you affect me and I affect you. It says that they'll bear fruit in old age and be fresh and flourishing. It doesn't matter what your age is. You're connected to a family. Connected and planted in. You can be fresh and flourishing. Hmm. Good news. So what's the enemy trying to do? Just disconnect. Disconnect from church family. Then we wonder why things aren't flowing right. Because we need that connection. We need to be committed to our family. Growing in the grace of God. That happens in family. Now, someone's at church and they leave the Word of God, you need to leave. Because that's not God's intention of what church is. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. A great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, the word hate here, he's talking about prefer. Uh, it's not you hate your, your mom and dad. It means you put God's, your relationship with him above that. It's a comparison word when you, when you study it out. But Jesus is telling us here, it takes commitment to follow him. It takes commitment to be a part of his family. He wants us committed to him and to each other. And I was thinking about how the enemy works. You know, the enemy comes and he tempts you with just the 
a, a good result, like take this drug, you're going to feel better than you've ever felt, or go gamble, or, or cheat on your wife, and, and he never shows you the consequences or any cost. He, he doesn't show you that part. But notice Jesus, Jesus tells you on the front end that it's, there's a cost to this. You've got to be committed totally to me. This commitment, and, and that's a, in our culture, that's a word I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be committed or not. It's like a, a bondage to be committed. But the truth is, commitment's not bondage. When you're committed to God and His family, it's freedom. It's strength. Jesus tells us on the front end, there could be some tough times. You might, young lady, you might have to break up with him. Or young man, you might have to break up with her. Or I can't promise you that your relationship, your marriage is going to be perfect in two weeks. There might be some persecution. Your family may not understand you. They might think you've gone off the deep end. There could be some persecution. Jesus, he tells us on the front end. But I can promise you this, that the inward satisfaction of being committed to him will far surpass anything in this natural world. It will be a satisfaction beyond anything you've ever experienced before. Living for Him. Being committed to Him and committed to His church. Culture says you can have everything. Have you heard that? You can have everything. It's not true. You cannot go eat everything you want and be in shape. I've tested it just to make sure Scripture is true. <laughs> you cannot go spend and buy everything you want to, to buy and have financial stability. You can't. You can't do it. You can't have everything. But when you have Jesus, it's like you have everything. But there is a cost to things. There's a cost to commitment. You have a baby, there's a cost. I told Zach he was getting his stripes. How you doing? Well, not much sleep. Well, you're getting your stripes. There's a commitment. Baby wakes you up, you're up. And not all of us are like Dennis. Some of us need sleep. <laughs> These four or five hour guys, I tell you. <laughs> what a blessing. The reward of commitment far outweighs any amount of difficulty that we will face. Far outweighs any difficulty you will face. Commitment. There's actually a freedom to commitment because I think we think there's a, a bondage 
but actually it sets you free. Sets you free. Because you're in this struggle until you make that decision to totally commit. And then it sets you free. I'm hearing dogs. <laughs> Be committed or the dogs are coming at you. <laughs> Dog gone it? Okay. Commitment, even in tough situations and circumstances, the joy, the strength that comes with that relationship with God and other believers will put you over, cause you to win. Uh, Jim Caviezel, I hope I say that right, the one who did Passion of the Christ, I, the other day I, I saw just a little bit of a, a testimony he had. And when he did, how many saw Passion of the Christ? Most of us. When uh, he was asked to do this movie, Mel Gibson said, look, I, I can't promise you anything. Uh, you know, would you do this for a percentage? And uh, anyway, they went round and round at, Jim said that Mel called him and said, I can't ask you to do this because I, can, I can't guarantee that you'll ever work again in Hollywood or as an actor. Hollywood was so against this. And uh, Jim said that while he was speaking, he felt the Lord and it hit him. His initials were J.C. and he was 33 years old. He told Mel Gibson, and Mel Gibson goes, you're freaking me out and hung up. <laughs> but he got before the Lord, and he said, I'm making this commitment. He said, Lord, you know the passion in my heart. I, I love to act, and I believe that's what you've called me to. But I would consider it the greatest honor to act and betray Jesus and even if I never, ever work again, I'm going to do it. Talking about commitment. And you know the story. His percentage made him a very wealthy actor. So he did very well. In fact, it's the number one R-rated show in history, even to this day. Passion of the Christ. And sure enough, you know what happened to him? They, he'd go to different functions. No one would talk to him. No one wanted to be around him. He was shunned. He said, I don't care. I'm serving God. I did what he wanted. And you know the history now. He's uh, got a new series. I, I haven't seen his person persons of interest, whatever, uh, and evidently doing great. But him and his wife have a heart for kids. He said he went and he saw an unwanted child, little boy, had a brain tumor. He said the boy looked at him and he heard these words, will you love me? And he said, yes, I will love you and I do love you. 
And he took this boy in. It's in China. Little girl, same thing. Brain tumor. Abandoned. Nobody wonder. He said, I want you. I want you. He made a commitment to two kids. Unwanted. Unlovable. Sick with a death sentence. They're still alive, doing fine. He made a commitment. I know about you, but I think making a commitment to Jesus is worth it. Making a commitment to his body, to his church, is worth it. There's no freedom like the freedom of commitment. Let's bow our heads. Isn't it time that you make a commitment, a total commitment to Christ? That you give your heart and life to Him, you surrender. You make a commitment. Pray that you do this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity. No one looking around. You say, I want Jesus. And I'm making a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ today. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to follow Him. Total commitment from my heart. No turning back. Maybe you made this commitment, but you're not even connected with the Lord. He's so gracious and so kind, you can come right back right now. For either one of these requests, we'll pray together. I want you to raise your hand. Anyone say, that's me. Just lift your hand. We'll pray together. It's a church family. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Everyone say, dear Lord, thank you for the commitment that you made to me. You came and died, but you were resurrected. You went through the cross to redeem me, to buy me, to give me opportunity to be in your family. I accept you as the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Just keep your heads bowed. Isn't it time that you make a commitment to God's family, to His church? So how do I do that? You need to get connected in. You need to join. You need to come to class 101. Come to 301 tonight. Get involved. Make a commitment to your church, to your church family, to each other. Because you need to. You need to. God wants you to. He'll bring us strength. He'll cause you to accomplish more in your life than you ever could on your own. If that's you this morning, I want you to know one look around. Just lift your hand and say, that's me. I'm going to make a commitment to my church family today. So lift up your hands. We'll pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this great family.
I thank you, Lord, for the compassion and the love that's in our hearts for each other and for you. And Lord, to even reach out beyond these walls. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.